Do you sometimes feel like your opinions don't matter? Especially in the mainstream world we live in today? Hi, welcome to the podcast Illegally Opinionated, where we value your opinions and expressiveness with your host, Ethan Long, where I am here with my anonymous guest. So, what would you like to talk about today? Well, hello, Ethan. Uh, Thanks for having me. And I'd like to talk about comic books. Comic books? I want to know about the history. Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, um, comics kind of originated uh, in the early 20th century. Um, There was a lot of uh, simple comics called funnies. They sold for like five cents, which is a decent amount of money, I guess, back then. And they circulated around the U.S. And then even in Europe, I'm sure you've heard of Tintin. Tintin, Um, yeah. Those comics were definitely very popular. I think that came out in 1929, so a little bit later. And that kind of just, I don't know, this whole format of, you know, simple, small books with, you know, pictures and and words go along with them and mostly targeted for kids. And people started to eat it up a lot. And um, the first, like, modern comic book, I would say, and most people agree, is in 1939, Action Comics number 1, which you might not know that name, but you probably have heard of Superman. Superman? Yeah, so he originated in that. 1939 is one of the oldest superhero, at least the modern uh uh, a hero that you would recognize uh-huh, uh-huh. and that kind of started everything right there so I, i'm a, i've been looking at it and, and i've seen that this is generally called the golden age yeah why is it called that because like i mean that's where everything happened you know they struck gold and they, you know there was uh you know superman and then a couple years later you probably heard of batman as well um and he came out as well and there were just I don't know, just this explosion of artistic expression. And it was accessible to everyone because they would cost like 10 cents an issue. And so kids could could buy them. And it just, I don't know, it became extremely popular. And that's what they thought. This was like, you know, the age of comics. Yeah. But now tell me if there's, tell me if I'm wrong, but during 1939 and the following golden age, didn't World War II happen? Yeah. And that was actually one of the reasons why it became so popular. Oh, because, really? I mean, soldiers, they get bored sometimes and you have to at least keep them a little bit happy. And they would actually sometimes ship these comics with them. And then they would use actually, which is kind of a sadder part, but they would use comics for propaganda as well. Especially in the 40s, you saw a lot really? of like Superman tells you to buy war bonds or, you know, fight with uh, Wonder Woman to, to do this, etc. Um, and so they were actually a pivotal part of some of the war effort back home, uh, making sure Americans fully supported this war and basically the boots on the ground. Oh, so this is like, like another form of encouraging Americans for that, that whole nationalism. Exactly. Like to, to believe in your country and country pride. And unfortunately, because of a lot of the issues back then, there were some like, you know, racist imagery uh, towards like, like the Japanese back then. And so that's why it's unfortunate because while such a beautiful age of expression, because it was co-opted a lot by people who wanted to support the war effort. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were some negative parts uh, of that area. Um, but but yeah, they were basically very entwined with the war effort. Entwined with the war. So, did the birth of comic books come from the propaganda of World War II? I wouldn't say they came from, but it definitely boosted the popularity because they were such a new thing. And like I said, they were so easily accessible because they were extremely cheap. They are you know, shipped in these very small uh, books and you can send them basically across the world. The fact that uh, there were Americans all over the world, um, you know, because of the war effort, it, it, it led to its popularity and even led to some of the creations like uh, modern day manga in Japan. They, they uh, trace some of its origins to the fact that U.S. troops that were stationed there after World War II kept bringing all these fun comics. Mm-hmm. 
fun cop. Wait, yeah. so manga came from American culture? I, I wouldn't say it came from because uh-huh. there's like existence of manga and especially like the way they read it from beforehand. Yeah, but left the ex- right, yeah, left, left. But the explosion like Astro Boy and some of the big famous ones actually came after the U.S. occupation of Japan. Okay, so then what? So I'm I, I was looking at this more, and then then comes the Silver Age. What is that about? Yeah, so I don't know all the exact definitions, but then you start to see more fleshed out characters. Um, so back then, and when actually when Superman first came out, he wasn't actually the he was on the cover, but he wasn't the only character. Basically, you would buy the comic book, and it came with four to five smaller stories, Ooh. and they would have like the like the other four characters in that big comic are like worthless. No one knows about them anymore. <laughs> they died out. Yeah, they lasted very little. But Superman, as you probably know, has stood its ground for the past century after that. Um, and so this. I would say there was more emphasis on individual comics. Okay, we're going to start making a comic just for Superman. We're going to make a comic just for Batman. And so it started going to like these things that people would buy regularly to hear a story instead of just a collection of really short stuff and just kind of like throwing things at the wall and see what sticks. So this is like a more individualistic look almost. Yeah, and then more like now that the industry wasn't just barely beginning, people like knew these characters and they were going to the store to purposely buy stories for these characters. And so it gave a lot more freedom to, okay, let's give them different stories instead of just writing him one time and then writing a brand new character next week. So this is like almost a, a whole character development over, I mean, Superman is like 80 years old now. Yeah, and he's gone through a billion different versions of, of himself. So yeah, it, it's been a, a long time since Superman first came out. So speaking of versions, I mean, they must have done something new in the Bronze Age. I've actually been looking into that as, as well. And during this time, the Nixon was here, right? There was the war on drugs, there was the Watergate scandal, and this brought into a more, from what I understand, darker themes, a more reflective of American social yeah. culture and the issues involved. What do you think about that? Well, actually, I had something uh, interesting, if you don't mind hearing. So, you talk about like war on drugs and, yeah, and whatnot, yeah. but actually, so because like comics were still actually meant for kids. They, they had a, you know, a hard time pulling advertisers sometimes if they had like topics that were controversial. And so it was a form of self-censorship. They created the Comic Code Authority. Um, really? I yeah, it, it's a stamp that if you saw it, you'd recognize it. They even have it like in movies. It's kind of like a joke thing, you know, approved by the comic boards. But it was basically Marvel and DC and all of them created something that would self-censorship them. And if they got the stamp, it meant it's good for advertisers. And so a lot of issues like, like drugs and uh, you know, like uh, LGBT themes and stuff like that were hidden away in comics because it was controversial. And that happened for a while until um, actually a Spider-Man comic around then addressed the war on drugs and like the negative effects it had on people. And even though it was controversial, people were like, okay, it's still putting it in a, like, in a good light in the sense that drugs are bad, but still tackling, you know, the, how deep the issue can run. And so you started to see some of that unravel. But it's just kind of interesting that um, people don't realize how censored comics were back then, and they were meant to be as like PG as possible. No, yeah, I mean, you're saying this is more appeal towards the children, right? Yeah, and that was sort of back in the older days. So I guess what you're trying to say too is like when like uh, some of the darker comics came out, that was probably more towards the '80s and the '90s. No, and yeah, that was yeah. once people were like, okay, we can't just completely censor ourselves to only talking about kids-related stuff. Yeah, I mean, so. 
I don't know about you, but I've read a couple children's books. It was great when I was little, but like nowadays I'm snoozing. Yeah, exactly. Right? They don't really hold up. Uh, no, they don't hold as up. You get older. I mean, I don't want to see. I don't want to see some cat on a bulldozer just pushing it. Right? He's hustling. <laughs> I'm trying to see something more serious. Exactly. So that moving on one, we're on to the dark ages. Yeah. It's dark, anti-hero. I mean, tell me about that. Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Well, I think actually there's the Watchmen. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. The that Watchmen. Was, yeah. Yeah, it was a huge. Uh, deal there's been a movie that wasn't so popular but then there's that TV show so what is the watchman oh so the watchman was um, so basically the the author uh, he created all these characters and he wanted to use existing DC characters because it was so dark and like it would basically ruin the characters of some people the DC said okay you have to make your own brand new characters if you're gonna make it this like dark um, and he ended up doing that and it's basically like what if superheroes came out around like the 40s, 50s, 60s and in the real life and then they won the U.S. of Vietnam War? What if they Ooh. allied? Yeah, so it actually was tied with uh, the, well, the Vietnam War saying that the U.S. won it. We annexed uh, Vietnam. We became the global power because of superheroes. Uh, but also like analyzed like the dark you know, reality of having superheroes control, you know, politics in the world. No, yeah, I mean, Vietnam War was already dark enough. And yeah. then we have all these conspiracies, corruptions, etc. And what's interesting to me is that comic books is, you can sort of say it's propaganda, once again, but more than just some comic strip, it's an entire story. Yeah. I think one of the things I saw was Captain America during like the Nixon Watergate scandal, just referencing back, he discovered like this almost like a uh, high elite corrupt institution <laughs> that was happening like like it was getting real real close to the real thing almost yeah and it's it's funny because you know some people complain that paul i mean the comics today can be political but it's funny the first captain america actually had him punching hitler yeah. and like that <laughs> yeah. now obviously we say that well that's great you know everyone hates hitler but back then before we joined world war ii there were a lot of sympathizers in the u.s unfortunately and that was even seen as semi-controversial but it shows that you know politics and comics were intertwined a lot as yeah but like Here's the thing, you you said before, comic books is for kids. Yeah. But comic books is for politics? I mean, I don't know about you, I don't know much political people who are children. Yeah, but it's also like kind of starting them early, you know, like, for them, like, Obviously, I'm I'm patriotic, but sometimes those books will come to the extreme where it's instilling the sense I of patriotism. You. I get you. And so I feel like it's more subliminal messages, but it was definitely uh, both for kids and for you know cultivating like a political mind back then. Did it cultivate anything else? I mean. I just thought the comic books were cool, yeah, man. Yeah, well, they are cool. And a lot of them, like, I don't want to say they all had this dark hidden agenda. Like, if you read yeah, a yeah. comic, you're, uh, you know, in this conspiracy or something. <laughs> yeah. But I was just pointing out that comics isn't all just, you know, wasn't all happiness and, you know, roses and whatnot. No, yeah. Now, tell me about the more modern age. I mean, when is the modern age? Like, 1980s till now? Yeah, I would say, like, eight, so one kind of important thing is in the 90s, uh, the comic industry actually completely collapsed. Oh, uh, Like, Marvel almost went bankrupt. So what happened was, so people were getting more into comics, and they were saying, okay, we print out a comic once, we make some money. We make mm. a whole new story, we make some money. What if we printed different versions of the cover, made them collectible, made sell, sold them to everyone, like, look, if you buy multiple versions, you'll be getting all these, like, cool collectibles that you could sell later on. 
And so people bought into that. And what happens when everyone buys something they think will be worth money in the future? It ends up being worth nothing. Yeah. And so people did that, and then it just completely collapsed. People started like selling their old comics, and they found out some of these aren't worth money from the past years. You know, even though they were sold as collectibles, people kind of panicked. And both Marvel and DC lost a ton of subscribers. And that was basically the dark age too, because. Um, like a lot of the stories were becoming repetitive. Yeah. Like I actually have a comic that I bought just because the cover's so funny. It was Hulk with a gun, <laughs> and it's like interesting. Hulk is literally this giant person who can smash things on his will, and he's here with a gun. And it just kind of because like the '90s, which is like, what if we made everything more extreme? What if we gave him more guns? What if we yeah, gave him a that, suit? That's extreme without flavor. I yeah. Mean, really, Hulk with a gun? That he's exactly. Crush the gun. So like, I love it now because it's funny to laugh at this one little comic from you know 30 years ago. But to be reading that. You know, so you have unoriginal storylines for the most part, plus, you know, comics being sold as collectibles but not actually backing it up in value. And that there was a huge downturn and um, Marvel like neared bankruptcy almost. No, yeah, I mean, that kind of reminds me. So you're saying that it bankrupt because they started advertising it at these comic books as collectibles yes. and everyone started getting and believing all of the more value, but when everyone has everything, exactly it's worth nothing. And that reminds me of, I think, the, the first Great Depression, it was mm. kind of like when the the rise of credit and people started getting everything with credit and then all of a sudden it just went full haywire because everyone had credit, everyone had O's and the bank didn't have enough and then it, it's almost strikingly parallel and so that reminds me of the economic crash of 2008. I mean, something yeah. must have definitely went down there with comic books, no? Um, I mean... I think that was less tied directly to comic books than just the fact people didn't have money anymore. You know, like if you're struggling to put food on the table, why would you buy a $3 comic every single week? Um, so yeah, they, they struggled a lot, which is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Miles Morales. Miles uh, Morales. The new like, kind of like a Spider-Man. He was into that, that animated movie, Into the Spider-Verse. Uh-huh. Extremely popular. He actually, Yeah, he actually came out, I want to say, yeah, 2010 or 2011, and that was right after you know the, the the big crash in 2008. And because there were so few people still buying comics, his first appearance didn't sell very well, which means now it's worth so much money, mm. which is just kind of funny. Just a, a thing that a completely unrelated byproduct is his character was introduced in that bad area of comics because you know the the economy was in a downturn, and now it's worth so much uh, more today. That's wild. Yeah. That is so. Wow. It's crazy how like random factors can affect things as little as no, comics, yeah, basically. I, mean, I guess the crazy people who bought the Miles World comics weren't so crazy after all. Exactly. So I, another thing I want I just want to stick on to the economic crash of 2008. Just like, I, I agree with you that people broke, right? I could spend that $3 for a comic to buy some peach cans, right? I'm, I'm trying to grow <laughs> But I feel like people just wanted to escape more. I feel like there was probably a rise of escapism, especially as not with the world becoming more controversial and every becoming more offended and sensitive, people will just want to escape from that world. People yeah. don't people don't want to face reality. Yeah. And I and from what I understand, I feel like that's starting to become more and more relevant, which is why something like Marvel movies, the rise of it, is starting to become more appealing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I can't speak exactly to, you know, what happened in 2008, 2009, but what I can on a related note is COVID obviously hit a lot of people's wallets and made people want to escape this current world. Really? Yeah, okay. and comics. So when COVID first hit and, you know, everything was shutting down, we had to stay home and whatnot, the comic uh, distributor, because there's this one company that distributes almost every single comic uh, to all the stores, completely shut down for a month. 
no shipments of new stuff, no nothing. So comic stores were without any new material for like over a month. Oh, and as you can tell, that hit the industry super hard and people are like, how are we gonna survive this? But people are still stuck at home at, you know, because of COVID a year later and people have, you know, they have free time. They want, and they, a lot of people have money because of, you know, the checks sent out to every family. Obviously some families really needed it to make ends meet, but some family got at 600 bucks, you know, from Trump or from Biden. We're like, okay, I want to spend that on stuff I like. And so comics is actually having a banner year this year and the last two quarters of last year. They've been selling more comics than ever. And we've actually seen an explosion of new people visiting comic stores. For real? Yeah, which is extremely exciting for me because people are like, print is dead. You know, people just want to buy things online. But because there's that collectible aspect of comics, you don't just want to buy it online. You want to have it in your hand and collect it for later and to both, you know, just the feel of it. Yeah, just like that physical touch. I mean, exactly. COVID, you literally couldn't touch anything. Yeah, so it was nice to get these comics, have them in your hand. Hand. To feel it, yeah. almost. And it's gone, I mean, some of this is because of like COVID supply issues, but because of so much demand, publishers can't keep up right now. Actually, like DC and Marvel, some of the independent ones have said, we might have some delays. We're actually already delaying some of our titles because there's just not enough comic paper in the US right now. Um, which is kind of crazy to me. Like, you know, obviously some of it's supply chain issues, but some of it's just because there's so much demand now for new comics. Well, I understand that. So I, I get what you mean with the rise of COVID led to surprisingly correlated with the rise of comic book yeah. sales. But what about Marvel? Marvel took a big step and started releasing movies for what well, what was the first one? Like in two thousand three or something like that? Yeah, I mean for the, the MCU. MCU. Yeah, I think first one two thousand eight with 2008. Uh, Iron Man. Well still two thousand eight yeah, that's yeah, like what? Thirteen years? Yeah, 13 years, it's been a while. Hitting 14 years yeah. And, would you argue that that would lead to the rise of more comic books? I mean, people love the MCU universe. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely say the movies had a very good positive relationship with the comics and they would always try to like release new ones when the new, like, like when the new Doctor Strange movie comes out in a bit, they're probably going to release a new series on Doctor Strange. The Spider-Man comics are kind of slightly tied to the movies in the sense of like their release schedule. Um, but. I would say that while the movies have helped, that like COVID has has really helped comics, um, which is you know a sad thing to say, but it's that's I guess the one small pocket of the industry that's doing a little bit better, just because yeah, when you have nothing else to do at home, I mean it gets tiring at some point, and, and that's at least why I got even more into it. It was just so I could go like, like you said before, escape the current reality and, yeah, and read yeah. all these fantasy and cool stories. I mean, I mean it's not only that; it's, it's COVID, right? People can die yeah it's bad it's like the, the the generational event that we'll be keeping with us and telling our grandkids for the rest of our lives right and it's just so bad out. i mean you can't even go out first of all yeah and i mean at least to me it seems like people want these comic books want to see these heroes and view them as they can fix these things yeah right? i mean in in the world we have now it seems just are so up in the air i mean we have climate change we have all the politics are going on now. We got COVID. We don't know what's going to happen. If it's going to be better or for worse. Yeah. Hopefully I mean, for the better. <laughs> hopefully for better. I mean, we Soon. we just got out of the uh, I think the Afghanistan conflict. Yes. Uh, Afghanistan conflict. Iran conflict. It was a loss. Just like yeah. the Vietnam War, it was a loss for Americans. That's not good. People <laughs> people feel bad. I mean, people feel bad about American culture right now. I'm assuming, and so I feel like that. Will, you think that will lead to a bigger rise in comic books because they just want to escape into a world where things they can be fixed. Yeah, I, I would say that too. But 
Also, a lot of comics have become more grounded, and uh, they've actually addressed it, addressed some of these, you know, controversial topics, such as, you know, some people view, you know, American enter- America entering into conflicts around the world as, like, American imperialism. And there's even been some things, like, is Captain America really a good guy, or is he just a symbol for, you know, imperialism? And there's been a lot of debates, even, like, comics have done, like, very interesting, you know, takes on some of these issues, and they're not just, like, you know, super, uh, Superman flies to the moon and does whatever and saves <laughs> the world yeah. and that's what I really like because there's a certain fun in having these really silly like fantasy stories like I still love reading you know a fun little Batman comic no, yeah. but there's a lot of also fun reading like grounded stories that might have to deal with more uh, day-to-day lives like um, there was a Hawkeye comic that in the first issue it dealt with people getting kicked out of, of uh, their apartments because they couldn't meet rent and there was just a lot more like people in the story that even some someone could relate to and so I would say, like, you're definitely right. There's people who are reading more fantasy stories to escape. But I would say comics have done a better job recently of, like, tackling current issues and allowing people to, I don't know, express their opinions through a different medium. So there's this rise, at least from what I understand. I'm not, I'm not a historian of comic books or anything. <laughs> but it just seems like, especially, let's say, Netflix or something yeah. like that, with the rise of TV shows, we got Super, Superwoman, Supergirl. Something like that, Green Arrow, we got The Punisher, but interestingly, we got The Watchmen, mm-hmm. we got The Punisher, Gotham, we have the newest one, Invincible. These, I mean, I don't know about you, but I was shocked when I saw these. These are not, no, fantastical, <laughs> amazing, the heroes who do everything, but these are also not necessarily grounded into everyday lives. They're more like a what if scenario, what if Marvel, what if scenario into a more darker dystopian future, which is surprisingly almost relatable in some sense. Yeah. Well, I'm a little biased because I'm really enjoying a lot of the uh, new horror comics that have been released in the past year. Because I believe it's like one of the better years of like that genre. What are they like? What are the horror comics like? Well, okay, so there's there's some that are more like superhero-ish. Like there's this thing called Immortal Hulk. And it was basically what if, because you know like in the movies, it's just Hulk gets angry, he turns yeah. green, comes big, big. mad, mad big. Yeah, but in some of these comics, it was like, you know, his transformation would be like grotesque. Like, you know, his head would shrink and then expand into the green one. And it, it was, so it was more like very intense, like horror-esque like, like drawings. Like it yeah. would act, like that's probably what would actually happen. Yeah, Not just so, him exactly. Expanding. So it was definitely creepy. And then there's, um, one of my favorite writers is, his name is James Tinian, and uh, he's been writing a lot of new horror. He wrote one for DC called uh, Nice House on the Lake, and it was, because I really like non-superhero comics, uh, just I guess to put that out there, uh-huh. because like you know when people think of comics, they think of general superheroes, but currently there's a lot of like independent stories. So his story was there was this mysterious man who invited 12 friends to go to this like beautiful house, and it was a nice like nice house on the lake basically, nice, nice. and the so, world ended around them, and ooh, they they ooh. check Twitter and Facebook and they see everyone's dying out there. What's happening? And they're stuck there, and they find out the friend that invited them was actually doing it to protect them. But he's this mysterious, creepy, you know, figure. And yeah, and and they were had to like explore, and they, it's only about halfway through. But they're trying to explore the little area they're being kept in, um, and try to figure out how did the world end, what happened, and it's definitely very creepy. Um, and so I like that a lot because 
I just like very like alternative stories that might not have like a, a simple beginning and a simple end. It doesn't sound simple at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that you just jumping into things. I mean, everything's exploded. That's that's like a worst case scenario. Yeah. And I'm I'm assuming you're trying to it's trying to observe what will people do in that scenario. Yeah, and, and it's that one, I mean, not to keep, you know, talking about the specific one, but uh, it's a twelve issue series and each one's told by one of the because I said there's twelve people who went there and it's yeah. told by a different person every oh, issue. Different perspective. Yeah, and each one basically was like assigned a role, which is why like one of them is okay, we have the artist, we have the the writer we have and then people were given roles and basically told to do activities um and they're doing that but also trying to figure out why were we chosen why are we stuck here while the rest of the world you know basically fell apart that's and true. i don't know the ending yet because i said it's unfinished it's about halfway through but I, i'm excited that sounds amazing <laughs> you you're gonna have to recommend me that after this yeah. so i want to start asking about you okay what so I, I've actually already thought of this question because I, I this is the first thing in my mind. Okay. But what is your favorite comic book? Hmm, out of favorite. All of that, that's a tough question. Can we go on break for ten minutes and then let no. me think about it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say, f- like, my classic hero that I really like is also a classic Spider-Man. I mean, to me, that was such like a groundbreaking thing um, because like the early ones were like, you know, Superman and Batman. I can't relate to a person who's basically invincible and I can't relate to a billionaire who runs around, you know, fighting people in a bat suit. But I can relate to Peter Parker, you know, a semi-shy high schooler who randomly got his powers and is now trying to live with the responsibilities yeah. of everyday yeah. life, which is why he's such a popular hero. So tell me about what's your favorite issue about Spider-Man? Any favorite stories? Issue, favorite stories um there's there's a lot of good arcs and there's actually 875 amazing spider-man issues there's like two 300 of uh, spin-off spectacular spider-man and there's like a thousand other miscellaneous issues so there's uh, there's a lot of content there but i mean like out of all of them which one do you like the most yeah i would say um I think of like a single issue, there was this uh, writer called uh, Dan Slott and he worked on Spider-Man for many, many years. And as his farewell issue, he basically started it with um, an uncle who was late to see his father pass away, basically. He was running late. He thankfully saw him at the end, but you know, he had a really bad day. He was like, oh my, you know, I have to go to the hospital, see my father. I don't want, I need a smoke break. So he goes to, to get one and you know, some, criminal jumps in, you know, says, give me the whole money and register, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, oh my God, I can't be here. I'm late to see my father. I have to, you yeah. know, go see him. Yeah. And Spider-Man come, saves him, and then, and then says, you know, you, you can go now, and then leaves the story. And then you follow the uncle again, and he goes, he gets to see, you know, his father for the last time. He lives the rest of his life happy. He has a kid. He, um, basically, you know, all of this is due to Spider-Man. And then he brings us back in the last couple panels, and uh, Spider-Man's chasing someone. He goes, someone stop that man. And you see, oh, it's the uncle from th- you know, several years ago, or, or 20, 30 years ago, sticks out his foot, stops the guy, and Spider-Man goes, thank you so much. What's your name again? Oh, well, you saved me a long time ago. I don't think you know who I am. He's like, oh yeah, sorry, I've saved so many people. And he goes, thanks to you, Spider-Man. Like, I'm just a little guy, but because of you, I got to live my entire life. And I, I just thought that was super cute, because it's like, you know, Spider-Man's uncle died, and that was like his whole, uh, you know, origin story is because my uncle died, I'm going to save other people. Mm. And just as like your farewell issue after like so many years, I was like, I'm about to tear up, you know, like that he saved, you know, another uncle who in the story of comics is a random. He's a random little character that'll never be talked about again, but just showing how like these uh, characters have impacts on people. But yeah, 
I know that's, that's a lot condensed know, in just no, a minute I'm, or two. I've never seen a perspective like that before. Like, what what does a civilian see in a, in a more positive yeah. light? I mean, he gets to live his life. He gets to see his uncle. And it was all because of like, because like, Spider-Man entered the first couple scenes to save and him, and then he left, and he comes back at the very end, and he didn't do anything. It was the uncle who saved the day by tripping him and letting Spider-Man get the villain. And it was kind of, and it was just kind of really nice to see like a civilian oh, take over yeah. the comic and show how these heroes impact their lives. Well. I have a favorite of mine. I don't know if we have much time, but it's called Swamp Thing Winter Special. Ooh, yeah, that's the first issue. Yeah, and it's about just for the audience. It's about Swamp Thing and how he's so stuck in this winter storm, and he finds his kid, right? And he's trying to he, while taking care of the kid, he's traveling, trying to figure out what's up. Apparently, running from this snow monster. <laughs> But over time, he realizes as he's dying, because he doesn't have the green with him, which powers him, right? He's like a super hippie if he had powers. But he realizes that the kid is the problem because he is the monster. Because Swamp Thing can't be at this point of almost death because he's super weak now. For years, that kid would have been dead or grown up by now. And so he has to kill him, and sadly or not, I mean, you're, he literally has to kill a child. <laughs> that's that's wow. already bad enough, but then it real, it's 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 a realization of who Swamp Thing is. He's a monster, and so he has to kill his child for myself. At least I like to think about it like that, because there's no way he can leave it. I mean, look at him. There's so little humanity left in him. It's it's very sad to see it's a frankenstein style yeah like that. i don't know it just touched me i don't know, I don't know yeah maybe. i mean there's a lot of intense moments in the comics that really make you think and i think those are some of the best stories i love them i love them well thank you very much i really love talking to you yeah thank you for having me it was a lot of fun uh yeah, discussing yeah. comics no yeah i hope i can do this more. i mean i i love listening to comic books and everything like that so i'll catch you later thank you very much i appreciate it man all right thank you see ya